Hello, good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming tonight. Can we all say amen? amen. And we thank in the Lord that he has from night to night blessed us, and we thank you for those of you who are joining us again. For night number five, we began on Monday with Eric Wiesner. On Tuesday, Brian Dickens. Wednesday, Luis Hyen. Finally got it. Last night, Ricky Carter. And tonight, Ian Vandevalk. And I'll tell you a little bit more about him before he comes to share the message tonight about peace. What does it mean to experience peace in your Christian walk, in your life, in your home? Tonight, I pray that you'll have your heart tuned to listen, to hear what the Spirit has to say to you and through the manservant the Lord has chosen. But before we go any further, I'd like to invite you to bow your heads with me so that we can invite the Lord's presence to be here with us. Gracious Father in heaven, what a blessing it is to be able to come aside. This is your blessed Sabbath day, and we have come expecting wonderful and marvelous things. Lord, you've told us that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we ask or think, tonight according to the power that is at work in us. And each night you have worked through your servants, and I pray that tonight you'll work again. May he be a living sacrifice, a vessel of honor, and may your spirit work in such a way that the word is not only heard, but that lives are transformed. And it has been our prayer and will continue to be that you live out your life within us, For your glory and honor, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand with me as we sing our opening, our theme song, actually, from night to night is 316, Live Out Thy Life Within Me, and that is our prayer. That has been our prayer every night, and it continues to be our prayer this evening. Live out thy life within me. O Jesus, King of kings, be thou thyself the answer to all my questionings. Live out thy life within me, in all things have thy way. I, the transparent medium, thy glory to display. The temple has been yielded. The temple has been yielded and purified of sin. Let thy Shekinah glory now shine forth from within and all the earth keep silence the body henceforth be thy silent gentle servant moved only as by thee its members every moment held subject to thy call ready to have thee used or not be used at all held without restless longing 
of strain or stress sounding good or chafing at thy dealings or thoughts of anery together but restful but restful calm and pliant from bend and bias free awaiting thy decision when thou hast need of me live out thy life within me O Jesus King of Kings be thou the glorious answer to all my questionings. Amen. You may be seated. Now, do we have a scripture song tonight? Okay, we have a scripture song. We have enjoyed the scripture songs, haven't you? You know, each night they have been different. Last night we had a quintet, and it has a little bit of doo-wop in it if you were joining us. It was something that was new and different. And by the way, if you're just joining us for the first time, all of the sermons that have preceded tonight are on our church website, tvsdac.org. You can go there to get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday's messages. That's tvsdac.org. That's Thompsonville, but just like television, sdac, Seventh-day Adventist Church.org. Tonight, uh, our scripture song is going to come from John chapter 14, verse 27. And I'm going to give the time to Danielle so she can teach us our scripture song and then we could join her as we share John 14, verse 27. The verse goes through twice. So the second time, um, if you get it the second time, great, you can sing along. If not, we'll do it again and hopefully you get it by then. to you not as the world giveth give I unto you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid peace I leave with you my peace I This time, I want to hear you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto
Great job. Wow, Danielle makes that sound so easy. So easy. Thank you so much for Danielle for that, Danielle. John 14, 27. I never heard it that way before, but it's going to be a long time before I forget it. Thank you so much. Just before our speaker comes, let me share something about Ian. Now, Ian, um, I just before I read his bio, I want to let you know uh, it's been a, probably a couple of years now, maybe, that uh, my wife and I, about a little more than a year, uh, my wife and I receive, we receive emails all the time. But in this particular time, we were driving back from St. Louis, and I had my wife go through my email, and um, it makes it so much easier for me. And one evening, as we were coming back from St. Louis, she said, I read through this email, you've got to hear it. And um, I said, well, we have nothing but miles ahead of us. Since you say it's a long email, go ahead and read it. And she read it to me, and she says, and his phone number is also included. Call him. And on our way home, I decided to give Ian a call, and praise the Lord, he answered the phone. And after he shared with me his journey, what his life has been like and what he's been praying for, and then he told us about his wife, Angela, and their son and their daughter. And he says, I really want to change in my life. And he says, he says, you know, I've written this letter to so many pastors, and you're the only one that responded. And I thought, wow, that had to be providential. So just praying about what to do, uh, let me share a little bit of his bio, and then we'll fill some spaces in here. Uh, then praying about what the Lord had in store. Well, let me just finish our story. So he joined our Wednesday night Zoom. We had a Wednesday night Zoom during the height of covid Church wasn't having a Wednesday night Bible study. And we said, join us on our Wednesday night Zoom. And he did. And there were nights when I noticed that he and Angela were just right connected. And there were nights when they looked like they were on the edge of the edge of night. And I said, there's something not right. Let's call them. And it so happened that every time we called them, that's when they needed to hear from the Lord to encourage them and pray with them. And he said, today I was just praying, God, speak to me, and you called, or during the day, and you called. And God continued moving, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we said, he said, well, I've got to make a decision whether to re-enlist or whether to do something different. I want to get out of the army. I don't want to continue this life. There was a little window of opportunity, and you know the Lord is so amazing. Sometimes he just takes our faith to the end. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He just stretches that faith like taffy, and that was happening in Ian and Angela's life. And we approached 3ABN, and, and they said, well, you know, we'll get around to calling them. And then COVID hit. All the, you know, we had to close our doors out, nobody coming in. They were not bringing anyone in for an interview. And one day, finally, uh, at the edge of that edge of night, they came for an interview, and God worked in an amazing way, and they have been a part of our 3APN family ever since then. Can we say a minute that we love Ian and Angela and uh, Liam and Pamela, so much a part of this ministry, and I've seen them growing. But let me summarize what Ian put. He says, below, well, okay, I won't read, you that, read that part, but um, Ian Van de Valk was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I can tell you it's a lot warmer there tonight than it is here. <laughs> he has two brothers and a sister. He and his wife, Angela, recently celebrated their 14th anniversary. That's right, not too, not too long ago, I think a couple of weeks ago. And they have two children together, a boy and a girl, the boy, Liam. I always call Ian Liam and Liam Ian. 
and a daughter, Pamela, who is 24 years old. Ian was raised in the Catholic home and spent his education in private Catholic schools. As an, adu- as an adult, he served almost 20 years in the United States Army. He faced many challenges in his life, some of which you will hear about this evening. His wife prayed for him for 11 years to give his heart to Jesus. And I must add this, and he heard that Danny's brother, Kenny Shelton, was doing a series, and she convinced him to go to the series, and out of that, God worked on his heart and chiseled him away, and he was, he was baptized in that series. Praise God for that. During the latter part of his career in the army, he began seeking the Lord, and the battle was very fierce. The devil was trying to stop that. But in 2019, he was baptized, and since then, I love this, exchanged his service from the United States Army to the Lord's Army. Currently, he is working at 3ABN along with his wife. You know, if I, if I ever look good on television, it's because Angela put the makeup on my face. And um, she and uh, Jamie, I get a double attack from left and right. But um, they do wonderful work at 3ABN, both of them. Uh, he serves as, in production as a floor director. He continues to look to the Lord to guide his life where he may be able to help others see the hope, joy, and peace that is found in Jesus. Wow, I'm praying for this young man. Uh, I think this is his first public sermon. And, um, and he has been kind of like a, a cat on a hot tin roof, can I say? But I've told him, I said, if it was about you, then you could be nervous. But it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And he never calls who he does not qualify. So right after Danielle brings our song of meditation, the next voice you'll hear will be that of Ian Vandevalk. Do keep him and his wife in your prayers.
Thank you, Danielle. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, good evening, everyone. Happy Sabbath. It's good to see you all here and those who are joining online. Uh, But before we begin this evening, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. And as always, I thank you for the many blessings that you have given us, Lord, and uh, for this Sabbath day that we could just rest in you. Forget about the difficulties, the trials, and the things that we have faced this week, and we can just come to you and be embraced by you, Lord. And I just ask this evening that you would just, uh, you would help me remove self and just have you come into my heart, come into my mind, and that you would speak through me, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that the words tonight that would come from me would only come from you, Lord, and from your throne of grace. Lord, I just love you. We all love you. We thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this week we have been taking this journey about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, which says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And as we continue on this journey, I want to ask you a few questions. One of the components of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. But what is peace? If I called on you right now and asked you to define it, could you? I bet if I asked 10 of you right now, I would get several different answers. You know, people in this world, they ask for political peace, financial peace, mental peace, or social peace. Believe it or not, the word peace is used over 400 times in the Bible. So it's obvious that God wants to direct our attention onto peace. And this is something that he wants each and every one of us to have. But with Christianity on the decline, it's no surprise that there's a rise in mental health issues across the country and a greater separation from peace. Interestingly, 
I did not choose this topic of peace because of my extensive knowledge on the subject, but rather the wisdom that I have gained through it experientially. So tonight I'm going to share a lot of my experiences with you. I'm going to be very transparent. Some of these things I'm going to talk about this evening are going to be a little difficult for me, but through the grace of God, I'll get through it. But you know, prior to me becoming a Christian, I used the things that this world had to offer in order for me to find peace. You know, I used to go out to clubs and at the nightclubs. A lot of times I would spend a lot of money on expensive things, either for myself or for my wife. Other times, I tried to find it in a six-pack. But no matter how many times I tried to turn to, uh, to find peace in this world, it was only empty and it was only temporary. So whether you've been a Christian your whole life, for several years, a newborn Christian, maybe you haven't even given your heart to God yet. This gift of peace is being freely offered to each and every one of us through God, the only true source of peace. However, I believe that living in peace actually goes against our natural tendencies. In the devotional Heavenly Places, page 26, paragraph 4, the author states, there are hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil that must be overcome. And a few verses prior to the fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22, Paul states that the flesh lusts against the Spirit. And it lays out the works of the flesh, such as hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, and selfish ambitions, just to name a few. When we face trials and difficulties in our life, our immediate response, typically, is fear, anger, maybe even frustration, confusion, and worst cases, maybe even depression. As for myself... Peace is something that's actually very difficult for me because I'm very hard on myself. We tend to uh, be our own worst critic, am I right? And I'm very analytical. It's one of the things that I did in the Army. I was an analyst. So I'm always looking for different scenarios. If I tried scenario A, this should happen. B, and this should happen. And when it falls apart, I tend to spiral into self-pity. And in worst cases, depression. And you know what? We have an adversary whose name is Satan. And that's exactly what he wants you to feel. The devil wants to make you feel like you can't. He wants you to make you feel like you're not good enough. That God can't love you. Or that God can't give you peace because of the circumstances in your life. Or that God can't save your marriage or ease your pain. Maybe you have a past that is so shameful, you feel God won't accept you. Maybe you have caused somebody so much hurt and have caused them maybe emotional or physical trauma. The only way which I've stated to true peace in your life is to accept the one who gave his life for you to have it. And I want to share a time in my life where every ounce of peace was being stripped from me. And I want you to know that this was before I became a Christian. I didn't have Christ in my life. In fact, I probably rebelled against him more often than I would like to remember. But it was on October 23rd, 2017. 
I call this my Nebuchadnezzar experience. I had to hit rock bottom in order for me to find Jesus. On October 23rd, 2017, was a time in my life. I had served about eight years in the army at this point. My marriage was falling apart. The stresses of the army were getting to me. And my mother, who had cancer, was slowly succumbing to it. I didn't know how to deal with all these things I had going on in my life. And I thought, there's nothing else for me to live for. I'm about to lose the two most important women in my life, my wife and my mother. And I didn't know how to handle it. So I wanted to take my life. I thought of ways on how to do it. And I was in such desperation. The only thing I could think of was to call one of my brothers. And I praise God that he answered the phone. Because I don't know what would have happened if he didn't. And he spent the whole night talking to me, hearing me, telling me that he loves me. But on October 23rd, though, I got admitted to a military medical hospital where I spent four days going through counseling. Kind of felt like a jail, to be honest. It wasn't very nice. But um, when I was released on October 27th, the same brother that I had talked to who helped me get through this period of severe depression and suicidal thoughts. I got a call from him saying, you need to come home. Mom's not doing good. So I rushed home, and four days later, on October 31st, 2017, my mom passed away. Now this could have been the tipping point. I was just in the hospital a few days for wanting to take my life. But you see, God used this as an opportunity because he can take the worst things in your life and turn into something beautiful for you. And that's what he did for me. The way I kind of describe it is that he, would, he took a pair of glasses, a pair of prescription glasses that I always needed my entire life and never wore them, never had them, and put them over my eyes and I saw the world I saw my family, I saw my wife in a whole different perspective. I appreciated so much more. What's interesting is in John chapter 15, verses 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain. I didn't even realize it at the time, but God was calling me into a personal relationship with him. He chose me, and I hadn't even chose him yet. But he was still working on me. And I stand before you today, having been appointed, just as it says in John fifteen sixteen, bearing fruit in his name. Amen. It wasn't until two years later, though, after this experience, that I fully committed my life to Christ. You see... Between the time of my mother's passing and the time I gave my heart to God, the father of lies, called the devil, had set up an army of doubt in my mind. He looked to create chaos and to keep my focus on the doubt behind me rather than the hope in front of me. So if you've been searching for peace and you've tried everything that this world has to offer, like I did, 
Look no further. Christ has chosen each and every one of you, just as he did me, even if you don't even see it yet. Which leads me to our key verse for this evening, Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. That is beautiful. You see, the children of Israel, they had two major obstacles. They had one in front of them, or excuse me, one in front of them, the Red Sea, and one behind them, the Egyptian army. And what Moses was telling his people is the exact same thing that God is telling us. We tend to focus on all of the obstacles around us. We tend to look at the things in our past and all of the trials that we're going to face in the future. But God is telling us to stand still. He wants us to have peace. This is a God that has chosen to fight for you. So what is your Egypt? Is it marital problems? Is it an addiction? Depression? Anxiety? Think about that as we go through this evening. What is your Egyptian? Regardless, the Lord will fight for you. And you have a God that is seeking to stand before your trials. But one thing I also want you to see is that that same word, see, was used three times in these verses. Maybe God is trying to tell us to look at things from a different perspective. He was trying to get his children of Israel to look at things from a different perspective. He told them to stand still. But in verse 14... The Lord will fight for us that we may hold our peace. So what was Moses saying when he spoke the words, hold your peace? You see, I believe that peace isn't just something internal. I believe that this is something tangible that each and every one of us can see. Your reaction to adversity, it's visible, is it not? How you handle it, others can see it. So I would say it's tangible. So quit looking backwards at the things from your past. Stop looking ahead to all the challenges that you might face. And instead look upwards to God, our deliverer. But what's the process of peace? How do we obtain something that seems to be so elusive? And what are the effects if we find it, not only to us, but to those around us? Well, that's what we're going to go into this evening starting in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. You see, it is the promise of salvation through the blood of Jesus that the path was made. It was molded in God's hands through the Savior, Jesus Christ. The moment that sin entered this world and began its destruction, God had laid out a sacrifice and a promise of hope and of peace. It is through his blood that an atonement was made for our sins, and it is through his blood that we are given peace. 
He made a way for us to have perfect harmony with him. So that source of peace is not in the world that many of us desperately search for, but in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about that. I want you to get this image in your mind because when my wife and I first came to 3ABN, prior to us arriving, somebody said, if you're meant to be here, buckle up. Because Satan's going to come after you. My wife and I will tell you, we thought we could handle it. And we did, a little bit. But everything around us was crumbling. Our marriage began, began to crumble again. Old problems were, happened to resurface. Old sins of mine started to come back to my memory and playing with, with my feelings, with my emotions. And as everything seemed to just be crushing down on me, I remember I was in the apartments actually still staying here on 3ABN, and I dropped to my knees, tears coming down my face, calling out to God for help. And just before I finished my prayer, he gave me an image. I saw Jesus on the cross. His face was turned away from me, I could see maybe belly up, and there he was, as if I was looking up at him on the cross, arms stretched out. He turned away, or turned towards me, looked me in the eyes, and he said one word, Ian. He said my name. You see, I've read about this as many of us have in the Bible. But I didn't have a full understanding of it. It wasn't personal to me yet. But in that moment, I realized all that Jesus did for me, and not just me, but for each and every one of you. You see, Jesus hung on that cross so that we will be forgiven of all of our sins. That if we would only believe in him, we would be given eternal life. And that each night that you lay your head down on your pillow, that you would know that God is with you and loves you with an unimaginable love and an everlasting promise of peace. You see, on the cross, Jesus suffered what we deserve so that we could be given what he deserves. And just in case you didn't catch that, on the cross, Jesus suffered what we deserve so that we could be given what he deserves. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He took a punishment a brutal beating for all of us to have peace. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace that gave his life for you and I to attain this gift of peace. Amen. You know, the Bible says that greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus calls you friend and he laid down his life for you.
So why is it so difficult? Why do we not have peace? Quick answer, pride and our perceived inability to let go of our will. You see, we try to handle things on our own. We say things like, I know what's good for me. I know what my family needs. I can handle this on my own. There's a word in there. Satan used it a lot. I. It can be difficult for us to relinquish that control. I know I didn't want to do it. It took me 38 years to do it. And still at times, I still struggle to relinquish that control. But I've given it to him. But in order to completely understand that God is peace, let us look at the following three, verse, three verses. And I'm going to go through these rather quickly. But there's a theme here that I want each and every one of you to see. So in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, here it is, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The God of peace gave an everlasting covenant through the blood of Jesus. Now in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, and here it is again, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus shed his blood, but he also came to sanctify us so that we could be blameless at his second coming. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, and again, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. So the God of peace through the blood of Jesus gave us an everlasting covenant that will make you complete. The God of peace will sanctify you. He will purify you. He will cleanse you so that you will be complete. And the God of peace will give you peace always, in every way, not sometimes, always. But the last verse that I want to use to establish that God is peace is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, which says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. See, God is not here to create confusion or doubt. It would be completely contrary to what we've even been learned to his character and what we have been learning this entire week. The problem is we try to understand things from a carnal perspective. We may not always understand what God is doing in our life. I think we tend to overcomplicate things in our life as well. Now, again, if you analyze, and I do, as I mentioned earlier, we can overcomplicate it. God also might put you through some trials, and they may seem to never end. They just keep going and going. But it is only to make you stronger, and he just wants you to see what he already knows. Sometimes we wonder what is going on. But in Isaiah 55, verse 8, 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. But we've established right now that God is peace, but how do we have it in ourselves? How do we obtain it? We've identified the source, the only true source. You know, I love the question that is asked in Gospel Workers, page 287, paragraph 2. It says, creating a contrast to exactly what the fruit of the Spirit is and is not. The author poses this question. What is the character of the fruit born? The fruit of the Spirit is love, not hatred, joy, not discontent and mourning, peace, not irritation, anxiety, and I love this, manufactured trials. How many times have you created situations in your mind and only for it to never happen? I should see everybody's hands raised right now. I mean, if you don't create manufactured trials in your own mind, then please come see me after this and tell me what I don't know. You know, but there are people who tend to, you know, we make a mountain out of a molehill and some even start catastrophizing. And for those who don't know the word catastrophizing, just by definition, it is a cognitive distortion that prompts people to to jump to the worst possible conclusion, usually with very limited information or objective reason to despair. And when a situation is upsetting but not necessarily catastrophic, they still feel like they are in the midst of a crisis. And just for an example, if I make a mistake at work, uh uh-oh, my boss is going to come find me, he's going to start yelling at me, I'm going to get fired, I'm going to lose my job, my wife, my spouse, whoever it is, is going to leave me, my kids are going to abandon me, I'm going to be homeless. I know I've done it. But we live in a world as if anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues are normal. But it is really because of the separation that we have in Christ. You know, we all created these problems in our mind, and we're in, we are inevitably going to face trials in our life. But how we respond to difficulties directly relates to our connection to the source of peace or our connection to the vine. And I know I've said this several times already, and you'll probably hear me say it a lot more. There is only one way that we may have true peace in our lives. Let us turn to John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I think that's a powerful statement. For without me, you can do nothing. I can't even be out here speaking to you right now without him. You know, a branch on its own cannot bear fruit, but if connected to the vine, bears much fruit. And to put this into perspective, you could look at a horticultural process called grafting. And if you've never heard of it before, grafting is basically where you join two different plants to each other. And in order for grafting to work, you have to have the main part of the tree, which is called a root stock. And you have to have the branch that you are grafting it to 
which is called the scion. I'm smiling because I know it's coming. In the dictionary of Merriam-Webster's, the definition of a scion is a person who is born into a rich, famous, or important family. Now, I can't think of another family that's more important or rich than the family of Christ. First John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. I like this. Beloved, now... We are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I love that now we are children of God. Not tomorrow, not in a week from now, not in a month or a year. Maybe when I get better, maybe I'll be a child of God. No, right now, You are a child of God. And if you want to become partakers in the fruit of this spirit, if you want this peace, you must first abide in him. John chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I'm going to jump to the next verse real quickly. John chapter 16, verses 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, in chapter 14, Jesus says he is the one who gives it. In chapter 15, he tells you, you need to be connected to him if you really want it. And in chapter 16, he just reaffirms it, in case you forgot it the first time, that it's in him. So we learned what Jesus gives, what the world gives, and the effects of abiding in him. Jesus promises us the helper, the Holy Spirit, who we all need. And through the work of the Spirit, we will produce the fruit of the Spirit because we will be grafted into Jesus. The Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 34, verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You know, if you really want peace, trust in him. You have to try it, though. You can't just ask for it all the time. He knows your heart. You have to taste and see. I've heard the analogy of if I held an apple in my hand, how would you know it was an apple? You don't unless you taste and see. You will never know true peace unless you taste and see what Christ has for you. Now, I don't want you to think, and many of us who are Christians already know, that just because you accept Christ into your heart that you're not going to face trials anymore. 
Because unfortunately, the Bible says we have an adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, the devil wants to take that peace away from you. <clears throat> he will lie to you, cheat you, steal from you. And this one, he does a lot to me. He will use people around you and even those close to you who you love. He will do anything that, she, that he can to disrupt your connection to the vine. But I love God's word because he has laid out instructions for us in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know, the perfect biblical example here that I find is in Matthew chapter 14 when the disciples see Jesus walking on water. You see, they're going through this storm and they see Jesus, but they don't recognize him at first. They're terrified. And Peter calls out to him and says, Lord, if that is you, call upon me to walk on the water. And Jesus tells him to come. So Peter steps off of the boat, begins walking towards Jesus. And just for a split second, as he was walking on that water, he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. You see, he focused on the problem and not the solution that was staring at him right in front of him. There may very well be times in our life that the storm around us grabs our attention. And for those moments, we begin to sink. But there's three words that Peter said that we all can say, Lord, save me. Jesus will be right there. He will pull you back up. He will dry you off. He will put you back on that boat. But the moment you become disconnected from him is the moment that you begin to live or lose that perfect peace. So don't look around to that storm. In Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Now, when I read this, I thought this is a perfect example of cause and effect. You know, it's cold outside, so I put on a coat. The wind blew hard and the shingles came off. The work of righteousness that Christ gives us will be peace. And through that peace, quietness and assurance and trust in him. So if we've identified the source, we've put our trust in Christ fully, wholeheartedly, how does this affect those around us? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. You know, just like any muscle in the body, where we have to work it out, the fruit of the Spirit's going to be worked out in you as well. Christ is going to give you opportunities to learn peace. God will place you in positions where peace is going to be exercised in you. It says here that he wants you to pursue peace. This is an action required on your part. He wants you to pursue peace. So are there people in your life that you've held a grudge against? Have you hurt someone close to you? Spouse, friend, family member? 
Seek reconciliation whether you are the offender or the offended. And that can be difficult, especially if you're the one offended. We don't want to seek reconciliation. We feel like they should come to me. I shouldn't go to them. But let no bitterness or guilt have an opportunity to surface in your life because that is going to give Satan access to your emotions. Holding on to hurt that others have caused you or that you have caused and others have caused you is only going to hinder your ability to sustain peace in your life. It's possible that each and every one of us might need some serious reflection and ask God to reveal this to us to help us resolve these issues so that we can pursue that peace with others. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, these sound very familiar, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. And as you continue reading in Colossians, it also speaks on how we are to be in our relationships with our wife, with our husband, and as a servant or employee. But why is it important? In the last verse here in 15, it says, and let the God of peace rule your hearts. Why is it important for the peace of God to be in our hearts? See, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 35, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the, excuse me, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. You see, it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. This is a culmination of everything that we have been speaking about, not only tonight, but this entire week. What comes out of our mouth and by our actions will determine what is in our heart. Whether we are staying connected to the vine. Essentially, what comes out of our mouth is a reality check to our connection to Jesus. So how well are we grafted to the source of peace if only partly then expect only partly to have peace. So who are we? And that's just something for each of us to reflect on. Are we the good tree bearing good fruit or the bad tree bearing bad fruit? In Psalms 133 verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I mean, don't we want that, church? Don't we want to be in unity with each other? I mean, just think about what this world would be like if we just set aside our differences, came to each other, pursued peace with each other. The world would be vastly different. 
I want to provide you some biblical examples of peace. One of my personal favorite stories in the Bible is about a young servant girl in Naaman. And if you haven't read it, I suggest you do so. There are many spiritual nuggets in that story. But Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army, and the Bible says that he was a great and honorable man. But he had one problem. He had leprosy. Syria had been going on raids with Israel for quite some time, and during one of these raids, they took back a young girl who became the servant of Naaman's wife. Now, this girl was so connected to Jesus, so connected to God, that even though she was in a foreign land held by her captors, she still looked after the well-being of them. And he said, or excuse me, she said to Naaman's wife, Send your Lord to Israel. There is a prophet there who can heal him. That prophet being Elisha. Who here would actually respond in such a way that even if taken captive to a land would treat their captors with such kindness? Who would have the peace of God in their hearts to know that no matter the circumstances that they're in or that they're facing, God has a purpose for us. God had a purpose for that little young girl. This was the commander of the Syrian army who was healed of his leprosy. He went back to Syria. I'm sure his soldiers saw him healed. What a testimony that must have been. And I, can, I would almost bet, not a betting man though, but I would safely assume that there were soldiers, Syrian soldiers, who were converted and who saw God for the first time. Another biblical example here would be, I know I spoke earlier about Jesus walking on water, but here in Mark chapter 4, the disciples were in a boat with Jesus in a great windstorm. Waves are crashing in, filling up this boat. They turn around and look behind them, And there's Jesus, sound asleep. These are fishermen in a boat who are scared for their lives. That should speak to the intensity of the storm. But when they turned around and looked at him, they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? But in Mark chapter 4 verse 39 says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. You see, Jesus woke, turned to the wind, and said, Peace, be still. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Have you felt like you've been taking on too much in your boat? Or maybe you're carrying too much on your backpack and year after year you just keep filling it up with more emotional, physical, mental baggage. You know, I'm going to share a testimony with you. Before I graduated basic training in the Army, we were in our final phase. We had spent about seven days out in the field. I'm nasty, I'm sweaty, I haven't showered. And our final test was a 10.2-mile ruck march. 
And I was carrying about 50 to 70 pounds, roughly, on my back. Now, throughout basic training, I had been developing severe knee issues. But for some reason this past week, I had not a single problem, praise God. But I didn't know God during this time. I didn't have a relationship with him. And as we began this ruck march, it was about three or four in the morning, very dark out. We're walking through the woods. I have my rucksack on with everything, the 50 to 70 pounds of weight on it. I stepped right into a ditch, twisted my knee. And I was only about two miles into this ruck march. So I still had approximately eight plus miles left to go. This was one of the most painful things I've ever had to endure. I couldn't even bend my leg. The pain was so severe. But a lot of times in the army, what we do is when we see somebody struggle, we help them out. Someone starts falling behind. Hey, come on, soldier. I got you. And I know I already said, but I wasn't with Christ then. But my wife, who had been in the church, there was a verse that I always heard her say. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I kept repeating this over and over and over and over throughout this entire rut march. And we're going up this hill. I have all this weight on me, struggling to get to the top. And all of a sudden I feel the weight just come off of me. I just assumed it was a soldier behind me helping me out. But when I got to the top of the hill, I turned around. He was at least 10 feet behind me. Because I went and thanked him. I said, hey, soldier, thank you for helping me. I don't know how else I would have got up that hill. And he gave me this perplexed look. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't help you. I didn't even realize it at the time. But it was my persistent prayer that helped. Over and over, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Anybody who's been in the military... We have cadence. There's cadence to sermons. There's cadence in the army. Marching cadence, running cadence. I was saying this Bible verse with a cadence with each step. Jesus was there for me and I didn't even know it. Makes me sad sometimes to see how oblivious I was. But see, Jesus can do the same to you. And for you, no matter how much you've crammed into your rucksack, no matter how much you're letting into your boat, Jesus is there to carry the load for you and to give you peace. Let us look one more time at our key scripture for this evening. Exodus 14, verse 13 and 14. The difference is I want you to look at the second sentence of verse 13 where it says, for the Egyptians. So for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. What are you holding on to? What is preventing you from holding on to Jesus and having that perfect peace? What is your Egyptian? Is it fear? Pride? Jealousy? Anger? Is it sadness, 
due to the loss of a loved one? Confusion, maybe you're searching for identity. I can tell you right now, you have an identity in Christ. Maybe you don't even know right now what it is that you're searching for. But you know that there needs to be a change in your life. You've tried everything this world has to offer. But that peace only lasted temporarily. It was empty. It was incomplete. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while now, but still struggle with peace. But in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, you don't need to fear. You don't have to hold on to your pride. You don't have to hold on to that anger or jealousy because Jesus is going to guard your heart and your mind. So right now, don't wait. Don't hesitate. If this is the kind of peace or something that you want in your life, just look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you have already accepted Jesus into your life, but you desire a deeper connection, if you want to be grafted deeper into him, make that commitment. That's what he wants from you. Just step out. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And you know what's going to happen? Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 through 19. Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Amen. At this moment, I just I ask you to be filled and I pray for you to be filled with his Holy Spirit and listen to the song, Peace in Christ played by Danielle Jameson. When we learn of him, when we feel the love he felt, when he bore our sins, listen to his words, let them come alive. If we know Him as He is, there is peace in Christ. He gives us hope when hope is gone. He gives us strength when we can't go on. He gives us shelter in the storm of life when there's no peace on earth there is peace in Christ there is peace in Christ when we walk with him through the streets of Galilee to Jerusalem mend the broken heart Dry the tear-filled eyes 
When we live the way He lives, there is peace in Christ. He gives us hope when hope is gone. He gives us strength when we can't go on. He gives us shelter. Storms of life when there's no peace on earth, there is peace in Christ. He gives us hope when hope is gone, He gives us strength when we can't go on. He gives us shelter in the storms of life when there's no peace on earth. There is peace in Christ when there's no peace on earth. There is peace in Christ. Amen. He gives us strength when we can't go on. Remember, if you haven't made that commitment or you just want a deeper connection to Christ, I ask you to do so right now. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we have learned about your peace and what you can do for each one of us in our lives. Help us to trust in you. Help us to lean on you. For without you, we can do nothing. Help us to empty ourselves, to stop looking to the world to provide this peace that will be a never-ending search. It will end up only incomplete. Father, for everybody who is making that decision right now, I just ask that you touch their hearts, that you become real to them. not saying that you're not, Lord, but they need a deeper experience with you, Father. And I just ask that you would work a miracle in their lives, that you would show them no matter what is going on, you are there for them. In the midst of all their trials, in the midst of all their sadness, You are the only true source of peace. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm looking for words. I was tremendously blessed. I think I said in the beginning this is his first public sermon, but this is not the Lord's public sermon. This is not the Lord's first sermon. Can we say amen? I, um, I, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I've, uh, Ian had a weapon in his backpack. And as a soldier, 
I want to show you his new weapon, his Bible. Now I know why the Lord pushed my wife and I so intensely to get them to come here. And I think if they stay here longer, their whole family will be here. <laughs> Felicia is here. Kevin is here. Their son and daughters are here. Liam is here. Have cousins down in Marion. But I understand why God lit that email up for us and why God just pressed on us to just come on, Jill. <laughs> We're praying about a pastor. We don't know what to do with these two people. And when um, Jorge met him, he said, Where's my, what we call each other brother from another mother. <laughs> That's Jorge and I. He said, Pastor, we need them here. And Ian is right. He says, I know that God did not just call me here to be a floor director. And um, this was anointed. All of our message was blessed. But I didn't expect, and and I'm sorry, that I did not expect the Lord to light this candle on fire. You know, later this year, the Lord is moving on Ian's heart to pursue ministry. And uh, I said to him, he said, I can o- I'll only go if the Lord provides. <laughs> and Angela and he prayed together. And they said, the only one condition, if the Lord provides, we can't afford it. And I said, well, then you're going. Because when the Lord, right, Donna, right, Ron, when the Lord moves, he moves beautifully. I want you to pray for Ian and Angela. He is right. And if you've been here any length of time, you know when you come to 3ABN, not only is this holy ground, but this is Satan's playground. He does not like what's going on. So I'm praying for my soldiers. I told you, Eric. I told you, Luis, I know Brian and Celestine are away celebrating her birthday, and uh, Ricky Carter is back with his dad because his dad is not doing well. I told these five young men, God put your names on my heart, not just to singly, not to single, preach a single sermon, but to get you ready for strong evangelism for the future. And can we give the Lord a hearty amen? amen. We've been blessed every night, and, but I have been just doubly blessed tonight to see that God just put Ian in our heart and Angela, and they are here for God's glory. I want you to pray for Luis and his wife Diana, for Eric and Addie, for Brian and Celestine, for Ricky and Jasmine, and for Ian and Angela. Because when the Lord starts something, the devil gets angry. Pray that he will set a hedge about them and bless them continually. And thank you, Ian, for allowing the Lord to use you 
in the way that he did tonight. Wow. Danielle, did you write that song? Okay. Everything she sings sounds like she wrote it because she just communicates it in such a way that if there's no peace on earth, there's peace in Christ. What a song for tonight. I'm looking forward to tomorrow morning, to tomorrow morning, and I'm, I'm just going to remind our viewers one more time, if you missed any of these messages from Monday to today, you can go to our church website, tvsdac.org, and you can get all the past sermons. And I'm going to cap it off tomorrow on the same theme, on the same theme, get connected to the vine. See what happens when you connect at Eric, Luis, Ian, and Ricky, if you're watching, and Brian, if you're watching, when you get connected. Without me, you can do nothing, but with me, how many things are possible? All things are possible. I want to just also bring something to your attention. Uh, I'd like to have Wayne Blakely come out here just for a moment. And you may go with your wife. Tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock, and I say afternoon because it'll be afternoon in California at 2, it'll be 5 o'clock on the East Coast. And I've known Wayne Blakely for a number of years now. Uh, the name of your ministry again, Wayne? Know His Love Ministries. Know His Love Ministries. Our world is in trouble. And I'm so glad to know that God is raising up men like you all to carry the torch. I, gotta, I really have to behave myself. I got five guys in line to take my spot if I miss it. <laughs> God never leaves himself without a witness. He's always ready to send someone else. Tomorrow at 4 o'clock, Wayne Blakely is going to talk to us about how we can reach out to a segment of society that has somehow been marginalized, been legalized, and has almost become collateral for the devil's destruction. The LGBTQIAQ community has almost been set aside as though, well, we can't do anything to help them, and well, somebody's got to be lost, might as well be them and not me. But I want you to know that there's nothing that you can face in life that the Lord doesn't have an answer of deliverance for. And so I want to just allow Wayne a few minutes here. Don't give him all your arsenal, but just kind of let them know how God delivered you. God is still delivering you. But there are two R's. I don't want you to tell them about them now that you're going to share with them tomorrow at 4 o'clock, and you cannot afford to miss it. It's going to be here in the sanctuary. We have some slides, and he's going to be sharing and showing you. There are two R's that have been talked about so far. Tell those two R's and save the two for tomorrow. Uh, you want me to sh share the first two the first or the two. last two? The first two. Ah, the first two. So, yes, there are four R's that we're going to talk about tomorrow. The first R being rebel or rebel. And the second one is resist. And whether you're LGBTQ or not, I think you can probably relate. Um, I was going to ask you, can we take God at his word? <laughs> Does God provide us with answers and solutions? then has he left us without answers and solutions for the LGBT concern? No. 
our LGBT people just as precious to God as any other person on this earth. We have found ourselves in the midst of a bit of chaos. And tomorrow I want to explain some of that chaos to you and the chaos, chaos exists in our own denomination. And so I don't think God has left us without and I want everything that God has promised, which is the name of the presentation. And so I hope you'll come. I hope that the viewers online will, will come and participate because I know there are many of you who have hurting hearts for those identifying as LGBTQ. And if you are LGBTQIA, and the list keeps getting longer, um, I hope that you'll be humble enough to listen a little bit to see what it is that God has in store for you. He's been very patient with me. I'm going to tell you a little bit of my own story. Um, I would say that it's been faith and failure, but God never lets go. That's right. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Just wet our appetite the way I think it would be set for tomorrow. I praise the Lord for this week. Get connected to the vine. And I want you to know this is not the only series we're going to do this year. We're going to do about two or three more at least for the remainder of the year. God has brought some gifted speakers, some gifted young men, some men of God. We're going to also do one for women. And we're going to do one for youth uh, this year because God has called our church to be a place where not only good things are happening over the air and over the radio, but God wants us to use the gifts and abilities that he can activate in our lives and uh, always cause us to shine for his glory. So thank you for coming out tonight. Let's all stand together as we have a closing prayer and ask for the Lord to get us ready for tomorrow morning. To God be the glory, great things he continues to do. Gracious Father and loving Lord, you said it in, we have seen the evidence from Monday to today. You are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. We've seen your power in Eric and Brian, Luis, Ricky, and Ian. And we praise you, Lord, that as jars of clay, you can pour into their lives and pour out in ways that amaze even them. And we thank you for these men of God who are to be priests in their homes, to set a standard for their families, to shine for the glory of God and allow the fruit of the Spirit to be exemplary in them as they work in their craft during the week. We thank you for their diligent commitment to the work at 3ABN and the work here at our church. And we pray that as you develop into the hearts and lives of others, that we can recognize the work that you are doing in your sons and your daughters, in your young people, in your older leaders, and that we can be as a united army and experience, as Ian said tonight, how good and how pleasant it is for the people of God to dwell together in unity. So thank you for the food tonight that we have received. May we go home and chew on it even more freshly and take from it the, the spiritual vitamins that can still be a blessing to us. Keep us safe. Bless us in these Sabbath hours. And may we come back again tomorrow to continue as we cap off our week of what it means to get connected to the vine. We give all the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.